Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, church. Welcome to the building. Okay. Um, Thank you for the gift of your presence. Thank you for the gift of your ministry of presence. We all have a ministry called presence that's showing up. So thankful God showed up. So thankful that God came in the flesh. Uh, We have everyone uh, heard a speaker. I was at a conference this week and He said, you know, I know y'all have a right. I know y'all have a right. It's your right. It's your right to work from home. It's your right to work from wherever you want. But he said, then he said, but Jesus showed up in the flesh. And I'm going to tell you something about this, how important that is. Because it's God's will that we show up in the flesh. COVID did a number on, uh, and the way we responded to COVID, we're still getting the ramifications of it. There's an epidemic of loneliness now they call they're calling it a national epidemic of loneliness and the reason is is because covid lied to people that you can isolate yourself and be okay that you can stay only digitally connected and you'll be okay and that's a lie it's a lie from the pit of hell god came in the flesh thankful that he did otherwise you and i wouldn't have salvation and we need to be people that show up and thank you for showing up i mean that from the bottom of my heart it matters it makes a difference There are things that you will never get if you don't get in community and you don't get around and show up physically in presence. That will never happen any other way. It's the way God's designed it. Thank God for people who show up, who show up for those who are genuinely at home and can't get out. Thank God for those who will go and serve them communion in the flesh. Amen. So thank you for being a people who show up and who value showing up. And don't ever underestimate the ministry of showing up. Amen and amen. Sermon number two, over with. I've got about 30 of them flowing through my heart right now. So let's, let's pray and let's just get, keep getting down to business, all right? Father God, we're here to encounter you first and foremost. We're here, God, to let you be God, to acknowledge you as God to not try to acquiesce and just to appease you, but to surrender our lives to you because we belong to you. We are created in your image. We did not create ourselves. You are the creator God. And we come to you in worship, in thanksgiving. We come to acknowledge you. We come to bow down before you. We come to uh, rend our hearts and not just our garments. We come to have our minds renewed and washed with the water of the word. We come, oh God, for transformation and change. We come, God, to be reconciled and redeemed and to be cleansed and to be purchased and healed. God, we come to say you're worthy of it all. We're not here for our opinion. We're here for your, your, your view. We're here for what you say, God. And we pray that you will say what you want to say 
through your word today to our hearts and that our hearts would say yes and amen and that our hearts would mix the word with faith and that our hearts, oh God, would not just mix it with faith, but by grace, God, we would walk it out. We would put it into action so that you would get the fruit that you're worthy of, fruit that is not here today and gone tomorrow, but fruit that remains, that we prove to be your disciples and glorify you in heaven. We pray this in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. I want to jump right into the word, Genesis chapter 3. Satan, the serpent, is speaking to Eve. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. I want to title this message today, The First Lie. It's the first recorded lie in the Bible. Now, Satan, you have to understand who he is. Jesus explained him more fully when he said he is the prince of the power of the air. The New Testament tells us he's the, he's the God of the air. He blinds the eyes of unbelieving. His whole work is about deception. His whole work is about deceiving people into believing that good is evil and evil is good. That's what he's at work doing, and he's doing a really good job of it. And he's not just doing it among the heathen. He's doing it among professing, believing Christians. It's happening before our very eyes. It's happening in the very culture that we have. We have churches now embracing what God calls evil and celebrating it and telling us that we're bigoted if we don't that we are uh, haters if we don't celebrate what God has called evil. That's the reality of the world we're living in. You can, you can dislike it or whatever, but it's true. And we're here to have our eyes opened, not in the way the devil wanted to deceive Adam and Eve and open their eyes, but to open our eyes to the light of God's word and God's truth. And we have to understand that we're not battling flesh and blood this isn't a red issue and a, uh, a white issue. It's not a black issue. It's not a blue state issue, a red state. It is a spiritual kingdom issue. And you, you have to get on the side of the kingdom. You cannot let yourself get polarized into fleshly battles because it will destroy you. It will not extend the kingdom of God and it will not accomplish what you think it's going to accomplish. And this is why we must open ourselves to the light of the truth of God's word. We must let the water of the word wash us and renew us. We must let the water of God's word be true in our lives. We must allow it to pull down every stronghold. Strongholds are usually thoughts or belief systems that are held in the mind and the soul of individual people. That's how strongholds get established. They become in the form of mindsets and cultural habits and patterns. Okay? 
And so you have to understand, you're in a battle and we're in a war, but it's not against flesh and blood. And here we have. And so what I want to do, I want us to explore the anatomy of this lie. We're just going to take time this morning and look at Genesis 3. And let's explore the anatomy. Let's break it down a little bit this morning. So the first thing that happens is what the devil comes to do is question what God has said. That's what he's going to get it to do. Question what God has said. Has God really said? Has God? But does... I mean, you don't know how many times I come up against this in the hearts and the minds of what I would call believing, believing believers. Not people that don't still say it, but they actually believe the Bible. They actually believe. But how, how, how the enemy has darkened their eyes when it, when it comes to giving, when it comes to serving. Well, yeah, but, you know, really, how much and, and how often? And that is, you just already see, man, it's already working. Has God really, I said, dude, it's real clear. I've talked to people, it's real clear. It's right here, even in the red letter edition. It's clear. What, what is it? And then they'll, they'll, but you see the stronghold. You see the blinding because they'll object and they'll give excuse. What is that? That's in a stronghold. An excuse is a stronghold. And you better identify it as such. Or you're, <laughs> you're going to be a victim and you're going to be an excuser the rest of your life. And you will not walk in the fullness of God. I'm going to say it as it is. That's the truth. I'm not being a friend to you if I tell you different. I'm not really loving you if I tell you different. And we got to call a spade a spade. You got to call evil, evil. You got to call good, good. You got to let the chips fall where they may. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be uh, not nice about it, but you have to be truthful about it. You see... The devil will say, has God really said? If he could make Eve confused about what God said or to doubt what God said, then his battle was partially won. You see, this is the first step. Did God really say? Did God really say? And we'll explore that a little bit more in the sermon. Second thing he does is twist what God said. He'll twist it. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? See what he did there? <laughs> Satan took God's positive command in Genesis and turned it to a negative. No, God said, of all the trees you can eat. See what he did? He already got you to think that you can't eat of all the trees. And isn't that how the enemy works with people even today? Well, 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 I didn't get picked for cheerleading, but you made the pom-pom squad, but I wanted to be a cheerleader. See, I didn't get what I, I wanted, and, and, and I can't have what I want. And, and they had all the trees, but he got them to focus on the thing they couldn't have. And that's like you and me today, as, as Christy was exhorting us, and thank you for that exhortation, to be grateful, to cultivate gratefulness. How do we become ungrateful? Because we're not grateful. That's how we, we don't thank God for what we do have. I, I just talked with someone the other day. I said, listen, there are billions of people, at, count it, billions of people on the planet that will never own a car. How many have you owned? And why do you complain about a flat tire and, and repairs? You wanted the thing, then maintain it. That comes with the package. But, but you are you're not grateful, and, and you want a $1,500 iPhone, and there are people who won't even ever have one in their lifetime. There are people that won't ever own a bicycle in their entire life. That's reality. 
And what happens? Demonic strongholds get up of ungratefulness. God owes me more. God, I need more. You're not quite good enough yet. I haven't got what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, where I wanted. It's not fair, God. It's not fair that they get what they get and I don't get what I get. (laughs) I'm telling you, it, it goes deep, beloved. And we need to crush that under our feet. And we do. My house, my responsibility, my heart, my responsibility. I will give thanks to God. I will glorify God in my body. I will glorify God with my breath. I will glorify God in my giving and my going and my serving. I will, by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, crucify myself, take up my cross, deny myself, and say, it's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. It's about the king of glory. It's about his honor. It's about his sacrifice that he's worthy of. Come on now. And I... and, I, and the devil, you're not going to get me in this game because I don't talk to you. That was her first mistake. She entered in. That's point number three. I have eight. And the subpoints make it go longer. Blame them, not the main points. Eve's mistake was in even carrying on a discussion with the serpent. We are called to talk to the devil, but never to have a discussion with him. We simply and strongly tell him, the Lord rebuke you. Come on now. Jude 9. Jude verse 9. It's one chapter. Jude 9. What do you do? You rebuke him. You don't get in a discussion with him. You don't see Jesus doing that. When they tried to, he said, shut up. Come out. You have power. You have authority. I have anointed you. I've given you. This is Jesus coming into your life. The anointed one lives inside of you. If you've accepted and received him as Lord and Savior, then the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in you. Now activate it. Let it loose. Quit squelching it and quit saying, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not, I'm shy. I'm this. No, you are more than a conqueror through Christ who loved you. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Let the power of God quit relying upon your own personality and your own strength and your own wisdom. And and believe what God has said about you to be true. I have had demonic encounters. Devils are real. They are real. Demons are real. And they can appear. And I've had them appear to me, and I've seen them manifest in demon-possessed teenagers. I've been called out in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, of a, of, a, of a young kid in my youth group years ago who was literally clawing like a wolf and, and clawing the ground, and he was underneath the light, and I'm getting called by the mom, you got to come. And so we came and we cast the devil out of him. He came into his right mind. You have that authority. Don't relegate demons to India and all these other places. They're, they're, they're lurking in the hearts of people all around you in the form of strongholds. And that's why we need spiritual discernment. I've had, I've had evil spirits just come and stand right beside me. The eyes of my, God opens the world to that realm on occasion, not every time. But it's real. And it just came and stood right there and I turned and I Oh, it's you. Be gone in Jesus' name. I didn't, I didn't, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I take authority over you. Oh, you know, and just get all worked up. I said, I have authority. He doesn't belong here. Go. And it went just like that. I've been physically attacked 
I was in my dorm room years ago as a young college student. And we were sitting around discussing the Bible and things like that. And all of a sudden, something I'm, I'm on this couch in our room. This, and and I've, all of a sudden, my back, it, I've got a, something on my back just pushing me into it. And my breath is starting to go. And I'm starting to choke. And I said, hey, guys, I'm not playing around. There's something attacking me right now. Rebuke this thing. And they, first they thought it was a joke. I said, I'm not joking, boys. This is real. And, and God, and they prayed, and it left. You see, because we have authority. And that's what you do. Don't get in a conversation with the devil. Well, Pastor, I keep finding, I keep rebuking the devil. I keep, you know, I keep talking. I said, don't talk to him. Tell him to go. You draw near to God, that's how you resist him. That's the promise. Draw near to God, resist the devil, he'll flee. How do you resist him? By drawing near to God. He can't, God will inhabit your praises. Satan can't. So if you're getting oppressed, turn on the praise. Turn on the worship. Offer the sacrifice of praise. Invite the presence of God to come. Because light will always expel darkness. Come on now. Light will always expel darkness. And turn on the light. Turn it on. You, you and I are called to be thermostats, not just thermometers. You have to understand that. I can change atmospheres. I just don't, oh, it's cold out. Oh, it's hot out. Oh, it's humid out. Huh, takes a real scientist to figure that out. Why don't you change the atmosphere? Man, I'm gloomy today. I'm just down today. Well, why don't we change it? Why don't we change it? Why don't we go, you know what? I'm not going to be gloomy today. And I'm not going to be down today. Because greater is he who is in me. And I'm going to learn to speak to my soul. And tell my soul, why are you cast down? Put your hope in God. Why? I'm going to tell my soul, soul, listen. You have a future and you have a hope. And it's God. And it's God himself. And you know what else I'm going to tell? I'm going to say, you, you know what you need to do? You need to go get hands laid on you. You need to go get people of faith to come and rebuke this gloom. And rebuke this despair. And help you get out of it. Because if Moses needed people to keep his hands up, you need people to keep your hands up. And you need to know when you got to strengthen yourself in the Lord and when you need strength from others. And you got to swallow your pride and get, and get, with, the, get, get with the deal. Come on. <laughs> Point number four. There's a vulnerable opening. She has created a vulnerable opening. And Adam is right here, folks, watching all this take place. Where are the atoms when the enemy's coming? Men, you need to be the spiritual men that you're called to be. This is not about women being weaker or men being strong. It's about men being men and women being women and everyone being responsible for their decisions. Because God held them both responsible for what they did. Both of them. It's about men and women rising up as men and women of God. Anointed, full of the Holy Spirit, the mind of Christ. But what was Adam doing? Standing there and listening. Eve misquoted God's command to Adam. Her words, you shall not eat it unless you die, are close enough. But she added to the command and put words in God's mouth when she said, nor shall you touch it. 
Of course, it was a good idea to completely avoid the temptation. No good could come from massaging the fruit. You're not supposed to eat. But it is a dangerous thing to teach the doctrines of man as if they are the commandments of God. And that's what happens in, in a lot of, I'm just don't shout me down, but conservative evangelical churches keep adding to the word of God and their kids turn away. Because they're adding commandments that aren't there. And they helicopter around and try to get them so protected and add all these barriers instead of saying, you, you are a child of God. You have the wisdom of God in you. You have the mind of God. I'm praying for you to be more than a conqueror. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. You don't have to be afraid of the big bad world out there because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That's what we need to be training these kids up to be. I'm not putting them in Christian school because I'm afraid of them getting sucked into the world system. I'm putting them there because I want them to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might so that they can go take on the world and its philosophies in the name of Jesus through the truth of God's word. But so many are just overly protecting. And, and so what do they get? They get kids that don't want to walk with God. And they get kids that are afraid of the world. And they're just isolated and secluded. Now, come on, I'm, I, I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm trying to tell you what happens when we have, when we get on the defensive and we're not on the offensive and we, we're called to go to the gates of hell. We're called to crush them. We're not called to be afraid of them. We're not called to step back and be in a defensive prostrate all the time. No, we're goers. We go into all the world. We go and preach the good news. We go and take authority over every ground on which we stand. This is the anointing and the call of God. It's from the beginning to the end. God told Adam and Eve, cultivate the garden. It means culturize it. Take the garden to the globe. That's what your message is. That's what mine is. That's why we're kingdom people. We're to take the culture of the kingdom into our homes, into our jobs, into our neighborhoods, into our finances, into every area of our life. Can I get an amen? amen. This is it. I'm a kingdom man. I'm a kingdom woman. I serve a king. He owns it. He's my king and my Lord. He's not my service boy. He's not the man upstairs. He's not the one I genuflex to because I scored a touchdown. He's God Almighty. Worthy of all praise and honor and worthy of the sacrifice at which he gave his life for. Clark in his commentary on nor shall you touch it. This is interesting to me. I hadn't read this before, but as I studied this, Clark says, some Jewish writers state that as soon as the woman had asserted this, that she added, you shall not touch, the serpent pushed her against the tree and said, see, you have touched it and you are still alive. You may therefore safely eat of the fruit for surely you shall not die. Man, if I walk into that church building, I'll, God will strike me dead. How many people have you heard that excuse when you invited them? <laughs> now, if God wanted you dead, it would happen without you walking into a church building. <laughs> he still answers by fire. <laughs> Point number five. The first lie. What was the first lie? Satan's direct challenge to God's word. That was it. You won't die. God said you'll die. I challenge that word. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Satan effectively laid the groundwork. He drew Eve into a discussion with him and planted the seed of doubt about God's word. And he exposed Eve's incomplete understanding of God's word. Now he moves in for the kill with an outright contradiction of what God says. Are you seeing what's happening? Are you seeing what's happening in the culture? Did God really say? Fill in the blank. Did God really say? Just fill in the blank. Did God really say sex outside of marriage is sin? Cultural Christianity would say no. You can't hardly go see a movie where casual sex is not celebrated, encouraged, and looked upon as normal. It's quiet in here. I'm glad you came back, sir. Satan can only effectively work when he has established a foothold. No one falls like Adam and Eve will fall all of a sudden. A foundation has been laid. Whatever crack you give the enemy, you've given him a foothold. Whatever sin you're justifying, you've given him a foothold. You can't play around with this. It won't play around with you. It will come to kill, steal, and destroy you. Don't kid yourself. You can't mock God. You sow to the flesh, you'll reap it. God will not be mocked. Satan is clever. He's clever. He's crafty. He's a seducer. And that's how he comes. He's a groomer. He is. He was grooming her. Do you see what happened here? And nothing new under the sun. He has no other weapons, beloved. This is it. He doesn't need any more. Because he knows how good he is with it. He knows how vulnerable we are. This is why we are called to never give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.27. Don't give place to the devil. When you have unforgiveness, you harbor bitterness. You harbor resentment. Guess what? That's called a root of bitterness. And guess what? You have, you have welcomed Satan into your heart. That's why I surrender every room, all of it. <laughs> Get out, you're no friend of mine. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy. The Bible says, what is the source of quarrels among you? What is the source? Is it not your own lust? Is it not your own envy? Is it not your own selfish ambition? Come on now. You find it everywhere. You go, someone is demanding their way. Someone's not willing to yield. Somebody's bitter, somebody's unforgiving, somebody's jealous, somebody has animosity. Come on now. Deal, call it what it needs to be called. <laughs> In Satan's direct challenge, he tries to get Eve to doubt the goodness of God. If God lies to her, how can he be good? You see what he's done here? In Satan's direct challenge, he tries to get Eve to doubt the badness of sin. If this fruit is something good for her, why doesn't God want her to have it? Satan wants us to see sin as something good that a bad God doesn't want us to have. His main lie to us is sin is not bad and God is not good. He gets you to make sin make sense. Did you say that's the deception? That's the seducing path. He gets you to make sin make sense. 
And that's what happened. It made sense to her. She got deceived, got twisted. You see, he gets you to make sin make sense. The lie will make sense. Your adultery will make sense. Your rebellion will make sense. It will seem right to you. He will make immorality make sense. Satan warps the word. Satan warps the word. Did God really say marriage is between man and a woman? Yes or no? Did he say that? In case you don't know, I'll give you the scriptures. Come to me. I'll point them out to you. We can sit down and have a Bible study. Let God be true and every man a liar. Did God really say rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft? Yes, he did. Did he really say he created them in his own image, male and female? But what is Satan doing today to little boys and little girls on playgrounds at 11, 12 year old? Do, do you know, do you, do you, are you non-binary? You got these kids asking this question. You, you say, folks, well, it's as bad as in our day. I never had anyone question whether I was a boy on the playground. I had no one ever come to me and say, you know, I, I feel like I'm a girl. I said, well, I, I'll be, I'm going to be respectful. I got a real clear way of helping you understand what that is. And you, Okay. But I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not. And, and people who are genuinely confused because the devil's working on people. You have to understand this is a spiritual battle. It's not time to name call. It's not time to get mad and, and hateful to people. We want to genuinely, I want to genuinely help people who are struggling with their identity. Whether it be sexual, what, whatever it might be. Because the truth of God will set them free. I know that, but the devil gets them to believe that you can, you can change all that and that you can chemically change it and it'll make you change on the inside and it won't. And there's thousands upon thousands that are regretting their decision to transition. But the world's not going to share that with you because they don't want you to hear that narrative because the, the, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers and they don't want them to see it. But the sad thing is that you got churches endorsing it. And it's not helping people. It's not did he really say they will reproduce after their own kind? Did God not create everything to reproduce after its own kind? Yes or no? Everything after its own kind. Can two biological males have a baby? Can they menstruate? Can they? No, they can't. And you know it and I know it. Can two biological females reproduce? after? No, they can't. We know that. That's scientific facts. But the world is here to tell you that can happen. And it's crazy. It's insane. It's not of God. And we're not being helpful to people by saying and going along with it. We're not. That is not the loving thing to do. The loving thing to do is speak the truth in love. I'm getting shouted down by your silence. No, I'm not. Listen. When you have organizations, gays against groomers, coming out against this grooming, and Christians remain silent because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and they don't want to be embarrassed, and they don't want to be offensive, and they don't want to be labeled, you know, whatever the world wants to label us, guess what? It's a crazy time. It's a crazy time. When you have... Atheist, Bill Maher, who is making more sense and coming out against the nonsense and Christians remain silent. What world am I living in? 
I'm, I'm telling you, it's a crazy time. And all the more why we need the clarity of God's word. We need the love of God in our hearts so that we're not hateful. But we're truthful in love. Satan wants to constantly create a culture narrative to constantly question and twist God's word. That's what he's up to. And he's doing a good job. Point number six, the final enticement. You will be like God knowing good and evil. There he goes. You can be like God. You don't need God. You got it? You're your own person. Your opinion's higher than God's, more important than God's. Come on. He's putting you on the throne, taking God off. That's what happens. The final enticement was the most powerful because it was how Satan himself fell. Wanting to be equal with God, Eve tried to become a God by rebelling against God. I'm going to tell you, it won't happen. Seven, God's remedy, a prohibition and a promise. Here's God's remedy to this. A prohibition and a promise. Do not love the world nor anything in the world. Prohibition, right there. I'm not loving the world system. I'm not loving its financial system. I'm not loving its cultural system. I'm not loving its moral system. I'm not loving the world system. I don't want Babylon. Hey, listen. Some of you are worried about the literal mark of a beast. <laughs> you better be more worried about the cultural mark of the beast <laughs> that you've already bought into. <laughs> I, come on now. You all want to get in. It's a crazy, but the whole devil just like you've already bought in. You're scared. You're afraid. You're not trusting God. You're more scared of the devil. And then you are the coming of Christ where you ought to be reverent and, and ready. Come on. If anyone loves the world, for the love of the Father is what? It's not in you. It's not in you. So repent. Admit it. I, the love of God's not in this room. The love of God's not in this room. Not in this room either. I got to surrender every room to the love of God. I love money. I love sex. I love porn. I love lying. I love gossip. I love bitterness. I love anxiety. I love it. I love it. I want it. Come on now. No, I love God and I want His love. To cast out all my fears, not part of them, not son of them, but all of them. Come on. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. Here's the promise. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I choose prohibition. Pro, I, I choose the prohibition and the promise. I say yes to both. How about you? How about you? Are you going to say yes to the prohibition? Yes. You said it, God. That settles it. I sing it, but I'm not going to live it. By the grace of God, we're going to live it. By the grace of God, we're going to live it. And by the grace of God, we hold on to the promise that those who do the, who, who do the will of God will abide forever. In closing, the plane will circle several times. You'll feel the wheels go down. A slight pullback in approach speed. But don't get too excited. Point number eight. What we must do or must understand 
to defeat temptation. We must understand Satan has no new ways to deceive us. We must understand the spiritual life is subject to law exactly as the physical life is. You will never break the laws of God. They will always break you. You may overcome gravity through an airplane or a hot air balloon or some squirrel shoot, but again, eventually it will win. And so it is with spiritual laws. You cannot break them without paying a price. Don't deceive yourself. We must understand every time we sin, something inside us dies. And I want to read to you what J.D. Walt writes about this. Perhaps we don't die outwardly, but inwardly, yes. Something dies in a person the moment he sins. The great illusion, barring none, is that man can sin and get away with it. That was the first lie uttered in our world. Satan uttered that first lie in the Garden of Eden, you will not surely die. There is no connection between your disobedience and death. That's what Satan gets you to believe. It was the first and it was the latest great lie that has ever been uttered. It is whispered into the ears of those dallying with temptation. You will not die. You can live, out, you can live outside of marriage, you won't die. You can have sex outside of marriage, you won't die. You can get drunk, you won't die. You can hold gossip and bitterness in your heart and resentment and you won't die you come on now come on you can defy God's word you won't die you can have an opinion that's opposite of God's word you won't die just fill in the blank beloved he gets you to believe you won't die you can live out of wedlock and post it on Instagram and go to your go away to the beach and go away and do this and 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 Christians will say how wonderful it is and you won't die oh come on now we'll celebrate what God calls evil and we'll disdain what God calls good and we won't die see we do it and we're and God loves us I lift my hands. I worship him. I'm not struck dead. That lie has been disproved in every single case from the first one to the last one with no exception. Yet each person who tries to be the exception fails. The payoff is automatic. It is registered in the very person. Something dies in the person, he writes. I was a ninny to do it, said a cultured woman, all shot to pieces inwardly. A man with $10 million brooded amid his millions over the face of a betrayal and illegitimate child. His millions could not buy of his inner unhappiness, buy it off. I did just what any man in my position would have done, said a man who was fighting an unequal fight with his conscience. It was in vain. His countenance reflected the unhappiness of his soul. The moment sin enters, death enters too. As, as substance and shadow, inseparable, it is the death of inner peace, of influence, of power to help others, of self-respect, and of your relation with God. Turn from the lie. The deception and justification of your disobedience and sin and turn to the truth of God's word. Whoever does the will of God will abide forever and all of God's people said amen and amen. Please stand with me if you would. As you're standing, would you bow your head in prayer? I'm going to give an opportunity to anyone who's here today. Anyone here today. And you know that this moment right now is the moment that you need to surrender it all to God. Maybe you need to turn to God for the very first time in, in, in a knowledgeable and understanding way. 
and you acknowledge, I need to be saved, I need to be forgiven, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life, I am ready, it is my time, the Spirit of God is convicting me of that need, I want you to just lift your hand. If there are others here that you know you need to turn back to God, lift your hand up high, lift it up, not to be seen of men, but seen of God, and God can see it, and God already sees your heart without lifting your hand, but there's something that happens when you physically respond to what God is asking you to do, what God is calling you to do. I, there's hands up all over this room, and my hand is up too. I need to keep turning to God every day and every moment of my life. I am asking God to take over every room. I'm asking God to fill every room. I'm asking God to take away all pride, all rebellion, all sinfulness, all willfulness. I'm taking, asking God to cast out every fear, every bit of doubt and unbelief, every challenge to God's Word. I want it to go, and I want the truth of God's Word to be established through the living Jesus Christ. I want you to pray this after me in your own, from your own words. Make them your own words. Dear God, today I turn to you. I am nothing apart from you. Jesus, I want you to be my King. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want to be forgiven. Cleanse me, O oh God, and I will be cleansed. Heal me, O oh God, and I will be healed. Free me, O oh God, and I will be free. And be my Lord and be my Savior from this moment on. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take complete control of my life and be king and be God. And I surrender to you and I thank you for hearing my cry. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give him honor, give him glory, give him praise.